have Pastor, Pastor Skill in preaching. Do you want to trade voice for skill? No? All right. Okay. I just thought that might be a fair... No, not a fair trade. I've always appreciated Pastor Fury and his leadership and his friendship and uh, his influence. And it's a joy to be with you this afternoon. And thank you for all those who put so much into this uh, work today and to, for, the, for this chicken on the grounds. Definitely something that we've enjoyed and enjoy the fellowship. And uh, it was good to reconnect with several people that we had not spoken to in many years and uh, really appreciated our time. Let's go to Second Kings chapter 6. And again, as I mentioned this morning, um, I just appreciate your kindness to our family, the accommodations, and uh, all your support and your prayers for us through the years. I'll be reading a few verses, uh, verses from Second Kings chapter number 6, beginning in verse number 30, and I'll leave it, read a few verses. The title of the message is going to be taken from verse 33, where the question is asked, what should I wait for the Lord any longer? What should I wait for the Lord any longer? I, I love the singing we just had and we heard, and uh, I love that song that we sang, Because He Lives. Where would we be if Jesus wasn't living? If we did not have the hope of his return, if we could not go to him in prayer, and praise God for a living Savior. And I hope you know him today. I hope you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, being saved, being born again. I hope that's your case. And if you are saved, I hope that you're walking in fellowship with him. Because, I mean, we could give a thousand reasons why we need to be right with God. But here's one practical one. Sometimes difficult days come. Anybody have ever lived through a tough time? Ever woken up some morning and there was some problem so large that you were disappointed that morning had come? Maybe I'm the only one who's never lived that. I doubt it. Difficult days come and we need the Lord. However, some people put their trust in other areas or other directions other than God. And here in 2 Kings chapter number 6, What's happening is that the city of Samaria has been surrounded by an enemy army. And what's happening is that the people in Samaria are starving. Inflation is skyrocketing. Just to give you the info from verses 24 and on, even the head of a donkey. Uh, How many of you are glad we had chicken rather than donkey head to eat? All right. That's not something I want to try, not specifically. But in Jerusalem, they were paying, in today's Canadian dollars, they were paying $600 Canadian for the head of a donkey. Prices were through the roof. They could not afford to eat. If you take the time at home to read 2 Kings chapter 6, you will see that they had resorted to extreme measures just to survive. And this lady complains to the government about it. She cries out in verses 28 and 29, and I'll pick up the reading in 2 Kings 6.30. This is the king's response to the, the cry from this woman. And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman that he rent his clothes and he passed by upon the wall and the people looked and behold, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. Then he said, God do so and more also to me if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat shall stand on him this day. But Elisha sat in his house, and the elders sat with him, and the king sent a man from before him. But ere the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, See ye how this son of a murderer hath sent to take away mine head. Look, when the messenger cometh, shut the door, and hold him fast at the door, is not the sound of his master's feet behind him. And while he yet talked with them, behold, the messenger came down unto him, and he said, Behold, this evil is of the Lord. What should I wait 
for the Lord any longer. Then Elisha said, hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then the Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. Basically, the king is so angry. He's so upset about everything that's happening in his country and all the problems that he decides to have the prophet assassinated because he figures if we're going to have a bad time, let's blame God for it. But God was on the verge of doing a great thing. God was just about to change the circumstance altogether, but only those who had faith to, to receive it were going to taste of it. Let's pray. Father, in these few moments we have together, would you help me as we look at your word to be clear? But most of all, what I'm asking for is that you would turn our eyes again towards you. That was so beautifully done in the music, and our hearts were lifted in praise and worship towards you. Even as we look at this passage of scripture and examine our own circumstances and find hope only in you, help us to have our hearts lifted not only in worship, but in prayer and in dependence on you and you alone. So in these next few moments, would you speak to us, each of us, would you tailor the message to the needs of each person and each family. If there are some who have not yet trusted Christ, may they realize that there is no hope to be found in any other. And for those who are believers, help us to renew our dependence on you and on you alone. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. The people of Israel are in this very difficult situation. And at the end of the verse, this man who had been sent to assassinate Elijah, Elisha the prophet, makes this comment. If you'll notice at the end of verse 33, he says, this evil is of the Lord. This evil is of the Lord. What should I wait for the Lord any longer? In other words, the things that are going wrong in our city, the things that are going wrong in our country, in Samaria, in Israel at the time, he says, they're God's fault. God did that. These things are happening under God's permission. So why would I look to God? If the Lord is allowing this to happen to me, if the Lord is allowing this to happen to my family, if this is happening in my country while God sees, why should I wait for the Lord or what should I wait for the Lord any longer? I want us to notice, first of all, this afternoon, that we ought not to see God's hand without seeing his heart. God loves you. God cares about you. God cares about your pain. And anywhere in history or in scripture where we see the sinfulness of people bringing consequences in their lives, oftentimes on a country or on a city like here in Samaria, their wickedness had driven them to great consequence. But you can't just see God's hand in that without seeing his heart for people. Whatever happens in a country, whatever happens in a life, in a city, God loves you. And God cares about you. Even if there's a war, during the war in Ukraine, I saw a video online that touched my heart. As the Russian tanks were rolling into Ukraine, there's a family, a large family with several children. And they were around the table. The father had his guitar and he was leading in his family in praise and worship. 
a song about the Lord will sustain us. The Lord will keep us. The Lord is sufficient. He's sufficient in the good times and he's sufficient in what we would call the bad times. When circumstances seem under control, God is there. When our circumstances seem out of control, God is there as well. And here this man makes this terrible, this terrible comment. He says, behold, this evil is of the Lord. The Lord ha- let this happen. So if the Lord let this happen, then how can I trust in him? Well, don't see God's hand without seeing his heart. No matter what happens in our country, whatever happens in a town, whatever happens to the economy, even if inflation is rising, even if various trials were to befall us, I want to assure you of one thing, God cares about you. God loves you. And as we sang, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. See, the right direction to look is always up. If you're anything like me, sometimes we have a tendency to just look ahead. Sometimes we look to the side. Sometimes we look behind. But the right way to look is always to look up. What do we do when inflation hits 9%? We look up. What do we do if there's rumors of war? We look up. What do we do if we have a personal affliction that affects us? Well, we look up. See, this man was right. This evil is of the Lord. What was happening in their city, God had allowed it to happen. Some might say God had caused it to happen. It was a consequence of their wickedness. But what he failed to realize is that even though the city was under siege because of their sin, God loved him personally. And God cared about him personally. But he said, no, if everything is going bad, then why would I look to the Lord? If you believe that God is in control, but you fail to understand that he loves you, you will get bitter. If you realize that God is in control, but you fail to realize that God loves you, then you will be bitter. This man was a bitter man. He was bitter because he saw his city with inflation. He saw people starving. He saw people driven to great lengths of despair to survive. And he blamed God for it, but he... He understood God's hand and judgment, but he failed to understand that the heart, God, is a loving heart. And that even if a country like Samaria was under siege, God loved each and every one of them. In my life, sometimes I've understood that certain things were allowed by God. But if I fail to remember that God loves me and that God cares about me and that God can supply for me, and that God can look after me, and that God can give me the grace and the strength to go through any and all circumstances. If I see God's hand, but I fail to take into account his heart, that will drive us to discouragement or to bitterness. Let me just give a parenthetical statement here. I don't know, pastor hasn't said anything to me, but I, I would assume that if Bethel Baptist Church is like any other church, Perhaps there are people who don't attend here anymore who used to. And perhaps one day some trial came into their life and they were not too happy about it. They were upset and they failed to realize that even if we go through the fiery trial, God's heart toward us is a heart of love. And he wants to reach out to us and he wants to sustain us and he wants to walk with us in that. Would you reach out to them? If they are angry, well, still love on them. 
still reach out to them and help them to see that God loves them and God cares and that God can supply. Perhaps you're here. I I don't know. I know some of you. I don't know all of you. Perhaps you're not a regular attender here at Bethel. Perhaps you came as a visitor. Perhaps somebody invited you. But perhaps you're going through a tough time. I want to remind you of something God cares about you. He cares about that burden that you're bearing. And if you'll look to him, well, he wants to help you with that. That doesn't mean he's going to take away the circumstance necessarily. If he doesn't take it away, he wants to give you the strength to bear it. We call that strength grace. He wants to give you the grace to, as he walks with you through that. But for him to walk with you through that, you have to have a personal relationship with him. You have to know him as your savior. And if he is your savior, well, you have a good shepherd. And he cares about you. He cares about his sheep. I hope you know him as your savior today. But we can't see his hand without understanding his heart. But if I go back to my passage here in 2 Kings, now chapter 7 and verse number 1, Elisha the prophet had a different view. The king is angry. The king says, all of this is God's fault. Let's go kill the prophet. The man who's sent to do the job and some other people, their attitude is, well, all of this is God's fault, so we're not going to trust in him. Now, the prophet had a different perspective. Chapter 7, verse 1. Then Elisha said, hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in in the gate of Samaria. In other words, if you just wait tomorrow, tomorrow you'll be able to buy by five and a half kilograms of flour for seven dollars. Remember, they were buying a donkey head for six hundred. Now they're going to be able to buy five and a half kilos of flour for seven dollars Canadian. They're going to be able to buy eleven kilos of barley for seven dollars. The Lord says, I'm going to provide for you. I am going to do something for you. But we need to understand that God cares for us. And because he cares for us in such a way, that should affect our heart. We, can underst- we understand that there'll be tough times, but we must understand that God cares. And as we trust him, God will be there to look after us. We don't know when hard times will come. We don't know when hard times will leave. But we do know that God is in control and that God's grace is sufficient. I hope you've tasted his grace is sufficient. When the economy is poor, God's grace is sufficient. Many years ago, I was in North Carolina for a missions conference. And that year, they decided not to have uh, international missionaries or American missionaries. They decided to have pastors from different countries come to this missions conference in Asheville, North Carolina. And I was there, and I was the Canadian national pastor, and they had a man from the Philippines, they had a man from India, they had a man from Pakistan, they had men from different countries. And as I was sitting there having a spaghetti dinner during the conference with this pastor from Pakistan, he began to tell me about how things were in his country. Three times, this man had been dragged out to the public marketplace and beaten, just beaten because he was a Christian. And as he bowed his head to pray for the meal, he asked God for protection, physical protection on his wife, on his children. And I, as I was listening to him, I felt about this big. I, 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 I thought, wow, this is a man who suffered for Christ. This is a man who's faithful to Christ in great difficulty. And then he turned to me and he said, uh, Brother Eric, 
Um, what's it like being a Christian in Canada? I didn't really want to answer his question. I didn't know what to say. I, well, you know, sometimes you give somebody a tract and they refuse it. I don't know. I mean, it's not. Like, I didn't feel like I had suffered in the same way that he had suffered. But then I asked him about to tell me more about him. And you know the bottom line of this man, beaten for his faith, still faithful. The bottom line was this. He gave testimony. God has always looked after us. God's grace is sufficient. And yes, he could look at his situation. Yes, he could look at his difficulties and say, well, that's not fair that Eric Levier gets to live in Canada and that I have to live in this difficult circumstance. But no, he wasn't looking at that. He was looking up. And he was seeing that in any circumstance, God is all sufficient. I don't know what you're going through, but I hope you understand God is all sufficient. God is enough for your circumstance. He is enough for your trial. And not only is he enough, but he cares and he loves and he is calling you. If you're not saved, he's calling you to himself. And if you are a believer, he's calling to you because he wants to walk with you. You need to see his hand, but that should connect to his heart. We have to understand his heart. But as I continue here, in verses three and four of chapter seven, we find another group of men. This, these four lepers. These four lepers are sitting at the gate of Samaria and they had an entirely different perspective. Now, if there hadn't been a trial, these men would not have had God's provision in their lives. If there had been no famine in the city, these men would have died. Because they're lepers, they can't go into the city, so they're not really part of the economics that are going down the tubes in the city. And they're sitting there outside the gate of Samaria. And in verses three and four, they say, if we enter into the city, then the famine is in the city and we shall die there. If we sit still here, we die also. Now, therefore, come and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. In other words, they're saying we're going to die anyway. So because we're going to die anyway, we might as well take a chance. So they head over to the camp of the Syrians and they find that the army is gone, the army had fled, and they take the loot. But then they have this thought. They say to themselves, we do not well, because we're keeping this for ourselves. And they go and they knock on the door of the city and they tell the people what's going on. They send people out. And in that day, these men were God's instrument to do exactly what Elisha had prophesied and there was provision for the city. What we need to understand that when God gives us a trial, he also gives us the grace to bear it. However, we'll be oblivious to that grace if we become bitter because of the circumstance. How do we not become bitter in difficult times? How do we not? We have to focus on God. We have to focus on the heart of God. Not just see his hand or judgment or different other difficult things and say, well, the Lord allowed this. I guess I'm not going to trust him. But to say the Lord allowed this, but he cares about me. You know, I don't know if you're like me, but some of the greatest spiritual truths I ever learned, I learned them in Sunday school. I learned them by singing songs like, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. And when, I, when we were children, those songs, they didn't point us to the trials, they pointed us to Jesus. And as we grow older, we realize that life is complicated, that life is sometimes painful, that life is filled with ups and is filled with downs, 
But if we can remember those simple truths that Jesus loves me, this I know. We learn songs about my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. We say that over and over and over as children. And if you keep those truths and you keep focusing on him in the hard times, you'll realize that he is all sufficient. If we, when we take prayer requests on Wednesdays at our church, oftentimes people will bring up economic concerns, sometimes uh, direction of the country concerns, uh, different personal things. But, I, but I'm always encouraged when I see someone highlight these things and always remind their brother, brothers and sisters in Christ that if you look up, Jesus doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So to make this real simple in application, if I look at the last line of verse 33, what should I wait for the Lord any longer? Well, realize that no matter the circumstance that we're headed into or that we are in, we must realize that, yes, we can wait on the Lord. Why can we wait on the Lord? Because he loves us. Those who waited on him saw his deliverance. Those who waited on him saw God change the circumstance, and those who waited on him saw God's provision. Now, yes, it's true. Our circumstances don't always change. But if our circumstances don't improve, we always find his faithfulness to be great, his faithfulness to be sufficient. So my challenge to all of us, to myself and to you this afternoon is fairly simple. No matter what you're going through, look up. No matter what you're living, look up. Whatever you might have on the forecast, look up. No matter the economical situation, look up. No matter what is happening around, look up. If you just see, well, why isn't God stopping this? Well, the day is coming where he will. But why is God allowing this? Why is God permitting this? Well, that can have multiple answers. But there's one constant that never changes. God loves you. God cares about you. God's promises are absolutely dependable for all those who are his children. And God cares about you and he will walk with you through it. What should I wait for the Lord any longer? You ought to wait on him because he's all sufficient, because he is caring. And I would like to ask you to just quietly, perhaps in your heart, think of what is your one greatest thing that you are going through right now. Perhaps it's a family situation. Perhaps your heart is broken because of the behavior of someone. Maybe it's economics. Maybe, you're, maybe people don't even know much. Perhaps you're going through a tight time right now. Or perhaps it's something else. Perhaps it's a health concern. I don't know. And I'm not going to make any false promises because God and his word never makes false promises. I'm not saying that it's going, the circumstance will necessarily be erased. But I do know this, you can wait on the Lord. Because he lives, you can face tomorrow. And if you trust in him, if he doesn't take it away, he's absolutely going to give the grace that is necessary to, to do that. In Psalm chapter 23, David reminded us, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? Because God was with him. And in any circumstance, if you have God on your side, he is all sufficient. There's a William Carey quote that I love. William Carey was a missionary in India, and he said, I have no friends but one, and he is all sufficient. He 
is all sufficient. Now, if you're here and you're going through a tough time, but you cannot say that Jesus Christ is your savior. Step one to living a confident life in the promises of God is to know him as your savior. He died for you. He shed his blood for you. Because you're a sinner like I am, as we all are, he saw your need and he provided salvation, full and free for you, as was sung about by the ensemble earlier. And that salvation is available to you. If you'll trust him as your savior, well, he'll make you his child. And when you're his child, one of the benefits of that is that you can count on him for all his promises. And he will walk with you and he will give you strength and he will give you grace. But if you're a Christian, what is that thing that you are going through that is painful, that is heavy? Perhaps you, some people sometimes get bitter, even bitter at the Lord. Why is this happening? Well, yeah, you can see his hand, but always remember his heart. Remember he loves you. Remember his promises are true. Remember that you can trust him, that he will walk with you. And remember that he is all sufficient. Heavenly Father, would you please help me always in my life, in my family's life, to realize that even when we are going through uncertain times or difficult times, help us to realize that while, yes, you are in control, and while, yes, you are sovereign, and while, yes, sometimes there are things that happen in this world that if I had to choose, I would choose for them to not happen, or if I had to choose, I would choose for them to play out differently. But help me to remember that even though your hand allows or sometimes your hand acts in certain ways, your heart towards this is a heart of love and of kindness. And help us to realize that Jesus was speaking to suffering people, saying that he was meek and lowly in heart and inviting them who are weary and heavy laden to come to him for rest. Would you help me in my personal life to avoid having the attitude of this man who said, well, this is of the Lord. What should I wait for the Lord any longer? Help us to realize that while you allow things, you never allow anything that you can't give us the strength for. And you never allow anything that you cannot give us the grace to walk through. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for being so faithful. Thank you for being so good. And as we leave a little later, would, you, would we leave with both from the music, but also from your word, with the assurance, the reassurance, the reminder, and the reality in our hearts that, yes, you are good that yes, you love us, and yes, you are faithful, and may we live this week and going forward as well, connected to your heart, thinking of your heart, thinking about your love, and thinking of your all-sufficiency. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.